Hey everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. And every once in a while on Legacy TV, we like to take the opportunity to show you what goes on as Sarah and I travel in different places around the world. We're invited into different churches. And right now we wanna take you to Eagle Mountain International Church right here in Fort Worth, Texas. My parents, pastors George and Terry Pearsons, invited us just a few weeks ago to come to the church, lead the congregation into worship, get into the word. And we wanna take you to that service right now. Remember, whatever impossibility you're facing, it can be done. Watch this. In verse 26 of Matthew chapter 19, it says, Jesus looked at them talking about his disciples and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With men, what did he say it was? Impossible. But with God, all things are this is a classic good news, bad news scenario. Jesus is saying, guys, I've got good news. I've got bad news. And now you want the bad news first. The bad news is there are some things that are just impossible. The word impossible, you look it up, it literally means weak, no strength. In other words, whatever it is you're facing is stronger than you and your strength in comparison to its strength is nothing and you can't move it, you can't budget. There's nothing you can do about that. And there are some things that are just impossible. That's the bad news. The good news is all things are possible. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> so which is it? Some things are impossible. Other things are possible. Well, whether or not something is impossible or possible in your life evidently depends on who you're with. <laughs> because Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. Literally means it can't be done. Nothing more that can be done about it. It can't be done. It's amazing to me. I say it's amazing. Honestly, it's really not. When you consider the day and the time, the culture, the civilization that you and I live in, we live in a time that is more technologically advanced than any other time in history. We have access to more information than anybody's ever had before. People in science and medicine are claiming breakthroughs on a daily basis. And yet in the middle of all of that, with more information at our fingertips, with more breakthroughs, with more uh, advancements in technology, still, Every day of the world, somebody sits across a desk from a professional who looks back at them and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. In, in any given field, there are people that have been told, perhaps even people in here, you or someone you love has been told because of some diagnosis, some sickness in, in the body, somebody's been told there's nothing more that can be done. Even in the world that we're living in right now, with all these breakthroughs and all these advancements and all the techno technology, people every day are still being told it's impossible. People are being told that in their bodies. People are being told that in their finances. Having the best accountants, the best bankers, the best lawyers look across that desk and say, I'm sorry, but this is impossible. It literally can't be done. That's what impossible means. It means it can't be done. So if impossible means it can't be done, take a stab at what possible means. It can be done. It can be done. 
And this came to me with force at the beginning of this year. I know it sounds simple and sort of duh to you perhaps, but it came to me with force at the beginning of this year. Sarah and I determined that at the start of the year, we're going to do some fasting, turning off the television. We're going to pray. And man, we did. We just pressed into prayer. We pressed into the word in a way we hadn't in a long time. Most of my prayings, I feel like is always done in other tongues. I feel like that's kind of my go-to prayer. The Bible says that he'll help us when we don't know how to pray as we are. And I often find, I don't know how. We go, here we are, right back to know how. And so that's sort of my default. I just go to it. But even still, at the beginning of this year, I cranked it up even more, just praying in the Holy Ghost more than I ever had before. It was awesome. Right in the first few days of January, I think it was, both our little ones, Justice, seven, Jesse, she's four, both of them at bedtime one night got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Jesse, Jesse particularly just loved it, started laughing, just got the joy of the Lord all over her. She's listening to us pray. She says, do that again. Say that again. And she's just going for it. They're loving it. Absolutely loving it. And one night as we were laying in there praying in other tongues together, I was telling Justice, really both of them, I said, you know, sometimes mommy and daddy travel and we go to other countries. And sometimes we go to places that don't speak the same language we speak. And so I don't, if I don't speak their language, then I have to stand on the stage and I have to preach, but there's somebody else standing there and he's listening to what I'm saying in my language and he speaks both languages. So he takes what I say and then he says it to them in their language and he's called an interpreter. I'm explaining this to the kids. And I'm not explaining it to you. I know you understand that. He's called an interpreter. And I said, you know what? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks both languages. He speaks you and he speaks God. And when you pray in other tongues, you can then ask the Lord, Father, I ask you to interpret for me through the Holy Ghost what I've just been praying. What am I saying? And so I'm explaining these things to them. And I'm telling you after 30 days, it seemed like, of just praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues, praying in other tongues. It came to me with force, like a revelation, perhaps like one I'd never been given before. You know what the, you know what the interpretation of 30 days of praying in the tongues was? It can be done. It can be done. That's the interpretation. It took 30 days of praying in the Holy Ghost to get this. It can be done. This is a good thing. Sarah and I got, got a, a real impossible situation just sort of dropped in our laps right at the first of the year. Weren't really expecting it. One of those things we kind of looked at and said, uh, okay. And I just sort of broke right into praying, you know, and I was standing there washing dishes and the joy of the Lord came all over me about this thing. And I just looked up the Lord and I said, you like this. <laughs> you like this. You get a kick out of this. And can I tell you something? He does. He loves it way more than you and I do. These impossible situations, these things that when they work out, when everybody else says it couldn't be done and he's standing there going, it can be done. These things prove his existence. They prove his involvement. They prove his love for his children and for anybody who will call on him in faith. He loves it. He loves it. Faith is his favorite part. Yours is sight. His is faith. Your favorite part is uh, opening the present, right? But as a parent, our favorite part is not necessarily Christmas morning when they open it. It's the days leading up to it when they're going, I wonder what's in there. I wonder what's in there. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. That's your favorite part. 
And to quote my dad, he said, nothing is ever over quite like Christmas. And when it's over, it's over, you know? Why? All the faith has become sight. You know what I mean? And I think God, you know, you stand in and believe in God for your healing and your faith became sight. God's like, well, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. What's our next faith thing? What's next? What's the next impossibility? Show me what else can't be done. And I think it's time you and I start getting a little bit giddy when we're faced with things when professionals tell us it can't be done. And there are people right now, maybe some in this congregation, many watching on television, watching online. There are people who are right now staring down the barrel of an impossibility, of a diagnosis, of a situation where they have to have something to get them out of it, standing at the foot of a financial Everest, and somebody saying, you better be at the top by Friday at five o'clock. There are people who are staring down these situations right now, and I came to encourage you this morning. Actually, correct that. I came to encourage myself this morning. I went before the Lord. I've been preaching this. If you and I have crossed paths in a service any time over the last 60 days or so, you've probably heard what I'm about to say to you because I've been preaching this thing to myself for the last two months, and I asked the Lord again about it, the service this morning, and he said, you preach it, and you preach it, and you preach it. So we're just going to stick with it. It can be done. It'll do you good to just get that in your mouth. It can be done. But Jesus said it depends on who you're with. With men, he said, it can't be done. But with God, help me out, it can be done. All things are possible. So to find out what this little word with means, let me read this to you out of another translation. This is the Weiss translation of the scripture. What does it mean to be with men? What does it mean to be with God? We need to find out because if that's the difference, if that's the deciding factor between whether or not something gets done in our lives, we're going to have to find out what it means. In the Weiss translation of this, Matthew 19, 26, it says, Jesus, having turned his eyes upon them, having considered them, said to them, in the presence of men, as men look at this, it is impossible. So this is what it means to be with somebody, to be in their presence. This is what it means. The word with, if you look it up, it literally means to be near, close, in proximity, to be with them. And Jesus said, with men or in the presence of men, as men look at this, it's impossible. Can't be done. Have you noticed that the more time you spend with somebody, the more you start to see things the way they see things. My parents used to always get a little frustrated. They could tell who I'd been hanging out with at school. They could tell without me saying it, without me coming home and saying, hey, I hung out with so-and-so today. All they had to do was listen to the words coming out of my mouth. And they knew who I'd been hanging out with. Well, we know who you've been hanging out with. We know the same way. We, all we have to do is look at your countenance. All we have to do is listen to the words come out of your mouth. We know who you've been hanging out with. As parents, that's easy to see with our children. They go to school saying one thing and come home from school saying something that you know you have never said in your house. What's the difference? They left you and got with somebody else. 
and it impacts you, has an effect on you. You can tell who you've been with. You can tell whose presence you've been in because it changes the way you see things and the way you see things dictates the way you say things. And Jesus said, with men, in the presence of men, as men look at this, it's impossible. But with God, in the presence of God, as God looks at this, it can be done. Now, the context of what he was saying, his disciples asked him, who can be saved? See, just a few moments before this, Jesus had given an invitation to the one the Bible calls the rich young ruler. Come, take up the cross, follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. He walked away sad. Jesus turned around, told his disciples how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And they said, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. With men, it can't be done. So the context of this verse literally has to do with a rich man who loves God. Somebody rich and loving God. Do you know to be rich and loving God, rich and in the kingdom of God takes living the kind of life that is only possible with him? That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of life I want to have. But they said, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it can't be done. You can't save yourself. Not enough strength, not enough ability. You don't have that kind of strength. You don't have that kind of ability to save your own soul. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It can be done. But if something's going to go from impossible to possible in our lives, we're going to have to change who we're with. With men, in the presence of men, as the way men look at it, the way men see it, it's impossible. You know, we've got some things going on in our own ministry right now. We've talked earlier today about the building project you're involved in. The Lord told us going into 2018, he said, this is the year I want you to buy up and build out. And I knew what he was talking about. There's a 10,000 square foot building on our property that there's a television studio inside. And we've been leasing that studio, not using it so much yet, but leasing it. And I believe the Lord said, I want you to buy it and build it out, build that studio. That's an additional 10,000 square feet. And, and we prayed about it, sought the Lord. And I believe that at $100 a square foot, that 10,000 square foot building's paid for. But you know what's almost frustrating is every time you get out a calculator, every time, yes. <laughs> and you multiply 10,000 times 100, every time it says a million. You would think that at least once it would say, Oh yeah, you can do that. You would think that after putting in 10,000 times 100, time after time after time after time, that at least once it would be like, oh yeah, that's doable. We can do that, sure. But I punch it in and you know, the hundredth time it finally just says, Jeremy, it can't be done. Put me away, I'm tired, you know? But with God, it can be done. I'm telling you, every single one of us, are looking at things. Every single one of us are staring at things. And this is how they usually come. It's either something you didn't ask for or it's vision. It's a vision from God. How do you know 
that the vision you have for your life and your family is from God because almost always it's too big for you to reach in your own pocket and meet the need. That's one of the ways I know I'm hearing from God. That's one of the ways I confirm that this is God speaking to us because if it was me speaking to me, it would have been way less than that and we would have already done whatever that was. But with God, the vision gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why we're going to have to be with him. The more I meditate on this, the more I realize this is what prayer is about. This is what praise is about. This is, about, this is what worship is about. It's about staying in the presence of God long enough till you start seeing things the way he sees things. And that's our problem is we're too in and out way too quick. We bring the problem in there. If we don't hear the answer right away, we leave. And you still seeing it the way everybody else sees it. But God is saying, time with me, time with me, time with me. And enough time with me, you'll start seeing things the way I see things. And you'll take that exact same impossibility, that same thing that a hundred professionals have told you, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. That same thing that every person in your family has told you, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. You're going to look at that thing and with everybody else saying it can't be done, after enough time in the presence of God, you're going to start seeing things the way he sees it and you're going to look at it and you're going to say, I don't know how, but I know who and it can't be done. It can be done. How? I don't know, but it can be if you're with him. Imagine just for a second. Imagine that you're, you're standing in this long, long line outside this beautiful building and you and everybody in this line, you're dressed up, wearing your best. Everybody's waiting to get inside. Something grand, something beautiful going on inside. And the closer you get to the door, the clearer you can see that at the door is this big guy standing there and everybody has to stop and talk to him before they get in. And he's got this list. And the closer you get, the more you begin to realize he's looking at a list with names. And you step up there and you better hope that your name is on this list because not everybody's getting in here. Your name better be on this list. If you want in, you got to be on this list. And he says, name, you give him your name and he scans it. And you ain't on there. You are not on there. You oh, no, there must be some mistake. You give him your name again, looks again. You're not on there. And just as he's about to turn you away, this big, beautiful SUV pulls up and out steps this man right at the front door. The man who's putting this whole thing on the one who's paid for all of this, the one, the one who's done all of this, and just so happens, the one that personally invited you to begin with. And just as you're getting refused and rejected, you turn around and you see him coming up. What do you say? Wait, wait, wait. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. How much better, though, would it be if he steps up? steps between you and whatever's keeping you out and says, it's okay. He's with me. He's with me. This is what it is to be with God. And this is what people, 
This is how they're living life on the outside looking in. What's going on in that room? Salvation's going on in there. Healing's going on in there. Joy and peace and provision of every good thing. It's all going on in that room and people are standing on the outside looking in. And guess what? It's not your name that gets you in. There is one name on that list and it's the name of Jesus. And you better be with him and he better be with you or else you're going to be on the outside looking in for the rest of your life. But as soon as you say, I'm with him, and as soon as he says, he's with me, what has been keeping you out? The doors of opportunity fly open wide. You come in and you start enjoying everything that's been going on in there. This is what it is to be with God, to be with him. What happens when you're with him? We saw it here in this other translation of the scripture in the presence of God as he looks at this, as he looks at this. That's what has to change. We think so much of the time that what needs to change is the natural circumstance. What needs to change is my body. What needs to change is my finances. What needs to change is my marriage, my family. What needs to change? No, that's back to living by sight. There's something that comes before that. There's a change that has to take place, and it's before anything ever shows up in the natural. We're in Matthew 19. If you were to back up, we won't for the sake of time, but in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus told the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed. And his disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, well, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It hasn't been given to them. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. He who has to more, more will be given. He who does not have even what he has will be taken from him. But then this is what he said. He said the, the, prophecy, the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled in them when he said, seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. He said they don't understand. If they would see, if they would hear, if they'd turn their hearts, he said, I could heal them. But seeing, they don't, they see, he said, seeing, they see, but they don't perceive. Hearing, they hear, but they don't understand. What's the problem? Well, Jesus turned right around to his disciples and said, now hear the parable. I thought they all just heard the parable. No, they all heard it, but they didn't hear it. They all saw Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus. That's why he said to them, but blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed, blessed are your eyes. Why? For they see. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. He said, you see and you hear what prophets and men and women of old long to see and long to hear. What's he talking about? Him. He said, you see me. I thought everybody saw him. No, they all saw a preacher, but precious few saw Jesus. He said, your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed. The book of Proverbs tells us that the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both are gifts from the Lord. He said, your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed. 
How many of you know it takes the blessing of the Lord on your eyes to look at an utterly impossible situation where the outcome is bleak at best and the odds are stacked well against you and you have no strength of your own to overcome it, but it takes the blessing of the Lord on your eyes to look at that and say, oh no, it can't be done. That's the blessing of the Lord on you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. 